Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. I just want to let you know that your identity is one of the most important discoveries of your life. And one of the reasons why it's so important is because it will impact the way that you think. It will impact the way that you see the world. It will impact your relationships with people. It will even impact and especially impact your relationship with God. The way that you see yourself and how you interact with God will come back a lot to do with your identity. And so this whole series is about providing an answer to a a seemingly complicated question about who you really are. And if you are still at this point in week three, which you shouldn't if you were in the last two weeks, but if you missed church or maybe you're a guest today and and you've just come on by, uh, if you are trying to form your identity out of your position in life, if that is where you derive your value, so if it comes back to, you know, the job that you've got, maybe you do think, you know, I'm not bad because... I'm doing all right. Remember, you could get fired. It could happen. You know, you could lose your job. You know, things happen to people. And, you know, if, if you're putting your identity in your financial position, your portfolio, you feel not bad. You check your bank account. Just remember, a global financial crisis did happen many years ago and people were devastated. So these things, we can lose them. If, if it's all about your accomplishments that you've, that you've made in life and you're, you're still parading that under-13s uh, basketball B-grade championship and you still have it on your shelf and you say, I remember that day as guys get over it. it was a long time ago now and so you know if you if you put your identity in all of these things I've got to tell you guys it's going to fail it'll fail it'll fail miserably and uh, one of the things that we need to do is we need to differentiate uh, between what we do and who we Ah, correct. Oh, I'm so glad that you joined me on that one. Uh, and, and so we do need to differentiate between what we do and who we are. And sometimes, you know, we, you know, people are, are, are going to introduce themselves by what they do. Hey, nice to meet you. What do you do? I'm an accountant. No, you're not. That is what you do. That's not who you are, you know. And so we have to just remember these things. They're super important when it comes to our identity. There's a few ways that people will figure out where they sit and what their value is and and their identity. And I think almost all of those ways will include at some point some version of comparison. So for example, and I have said this before, but for example, if you said to me, and I'll just use a really obvious example, if you said that you were tall, I'd say, okay, compared to what? If you tell me you're short, if you feel short, just go serve in the kids' room this morning and you'll feel tall all over again. Why? It's all about who you surround yourself with. So so it's always about comparison. And comparison is, is, is a terrible thing to do because it'll either leave you feeling superior than other people or inferior to other people. And at the end of the day, ultimately, you're always going to find someone who's better than you at something you love. And what will happen to you? You will end up insecure. And that is a bad place to be. You've got, you got to stop comparing yourself to other people. People have done this since the absolute beginning. If we look all the way back to Adam and Eve, why did they want to eat the fruit? So they could be like, gosh, some of you need to go back and read your Bible, right? Who did they want to be like? 
Okay, they wanted to be like God, didn't they? And so they're comparing themselves and say, Jesus would be really good to be like him. I know, let's eat the fruit. And it probably wasn't a good idea. And that was the very first um, human being. So, you know, Cain killed Abel because he was comparing himself. But I, I would probably reference as a really good reference I would, I would talk about uh, Saul v. David in the Bible if, if you've read the, the Scriptures. You, you know the Scriptures? You know, if you've read them about Saul and David and, you know, his Saul, he's the king and he's got the position and he holds the authority. But what does he do? He keeps comparing himself to David, right? And he's, he's a very insecure guy. That was one of Saul's problems. Um, very, very insecure. And just to make it even worse... People wrote songs that reinforced his insecurity. Yeah. Do you know they wrote songs about it? Like imagine if you felt really insecure about something and somebody wrote a song and it was like a number one hit in Australia. People are walking around just singing it. Do you know what they said? Do you know what they were singing about Saul and David? Saul has killed his thousands and David is tens of thousands. In thinking about that this week, I did try to put that into song form because I thought, I'll sing it. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, you don't get it. I couldn't do it. I was like, I tried to find a tune that would work. I'm like, what a stupid song. Who sings that? How can you even put it in song form, right? But people have put it in song form and it made Saul feel very insecure. And I thought, well... I don't know how he handled it, but he probably had these deep and, deep and dark moments. I reckon he prayed about it. I actually did try to think how that prayer would go. And I imagined it to be Saul praying to God, Dear God, I'm asking this morning, would you help me kill more people? <laughs> like, I'm in battle. David's in battle. I, wanna, I just, Lord, help me to kill more people. I want a lot more arms off. I'm thinking headshots. I'm like, Lord, let me kill. Like, seriously, this is what he's jealous about. Like, because David's killing more people. And I thought, what a weird thing to be insecure about. And, and yet here, here he is and, 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 and he's incredibly insecure. And what I'm saying to you is that it just doesn't, it doesn't work. You've got to be careful about where you get your value from. You've got to be really careful. I would say comparison is a horribly inconsistent standard, isn't it? Like that's what we just discovered. It's ter terribly inconsistent standard. And if we could, I don't know, if we could just find some like universal standard for the human race that we could measure ourselves against just something so that we were all on the same playing field wouldn't that be helpful you do know where I'm going with this don't you yeah a lot of you are looking at me saying I, I know exactly what you're doing here right because believe it or not there actually is a standard that we can all measure ourselves against and in Leviticus God is explaining to Israel his chosen people what that standard is. And he uses this word to describe the standard to which we should obtain. And he uses the word holy. I'll talk about what that is in just a moment. But listen to this. Leviticus 20 verse 26. It says, You shall be holy to me, 
For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. So the word holy, it means pure, clean, perfect in righteousness. And I just thought about asking you today, how's that going for you? You know, how's, how's that thing going? The, the standard of perfection, perfection in righteousness. Do you see a problem? You should. If you don't, you have two problems now. And we'll tell you about what the other one is later. We'll pray for you at the end of the service, right? But there, there is a big problem here. And what is that? Well, of course, the problem is that you are far from perfect. And the Apostle Paul wrote about this in Romans 3, 23. He said, For all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. We are so far from holy. And if you're looking to measure yourself, that's the standard that you should use. Perfect, clean, pure in terms of your righteousness. And of course, the problem that we know, and if you're new to church, I'll explain it. The, the thing that we know is that we, as a human race, as people, every single one of us have missed that mark, haven't we? we we've, we've missed the mark. And even that phrase, missed the mark, is actually a great way to explain sin. The word in the original language, hatat, it means to miss the mark in terms of your design and intention. We were made to be holy. We were made to be perfect. And every single one of us have fallen so far short of that, that thing. And so what happens is that we become, we become tainted. We, we, we are tainted by sin. And the, the problem with the mark of sin is that you just can't, you can't get rid of it. Now, once that thing is on you, if you are meant to be in your perfect form, holy and righteous, perfect in righteousness, once you are marked and tainted, would that not drive down your value? Yeah? I remember when um, Sarah and I were just dating, geez, we weren't even engaged, and she calls me from a jewellery shop and says, <laughs> Hi. I said, what are you doing? I said, just, she sounded weird on the phone. Like I knew straight away something was up. I said, what are you doing right now? She said, well, I'm just in a jewelry shop. And I said, okay, all right, all right. Is, is your birthday coming up or something, you know? And she said, so look, they're going to order in a bunch of engagement diamonds for us. I said, what are you, get out. I said, what are, I, I said, I haven't even proposed to you. What are you doing in there? She goes, don't, they're just going to order them in. You don't have to buy one. I'm like, oh, okay. So, so anyway, they order them in and, and I start to learn about diamonds, right? And so I'm going in and, and, and I learned that at one end of the spectrum, you've got diamonds that are flawless. Okay. There's, there's nothing, the, the clarity and there's no, what they call inclusions in them, right? No little impurities, no marks in them. And, and, and then it, it goes backwards from there. And guess what? The more inclusions that you have, the more it drives down the value because there's mark, they're, they're tainted. It's just like people. You know, there were, I, I, I was thinking about this even this week, right? I don't even like buying bruised bananas. If I go to the, if I go to the Coles and I see a bunch of bananas, who chooses the bruised ones? And if you do, I pray for your soul because that's, 
That's like, if you're like, I know people that eat bruises and I'm worried about you personally, right? Because I think that's weird. But, you know, I don't even like bruised bananas. If you're choosing fruit, you will avoid the ones that are crushed. You'll avoid the ones that are bruised, the ones that are marked. You look for the, the, the most perfect, you know, apple and bananas that you can, right? So, okay. So when things are crushed and bruised and tainted and have inclusions and they're marked, right? It drives down their value. Why? Because no one wants that. Well, guess what? When it comes to you and sin, it's infinitely worse than that, yeah? All right, think about this. Think about um, maybe someone's offended you at some point in your life. They've, all right, that, that has definitely happened. So, so someone has offended you. I shouldn't have posed it as a question, right? Has someone? No, 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 it's happened. Someone's offended you in life. Think about the worst thing that someone has done to you or, or something that offended you terribly. Don't harbor on it because forgiveness and yep but think about it for just a moment right and you think about how that makes you feel when you sin before God it is it is exponentially worse than that like so much worse than that that's that's because sometimes what I think happens is is if I say to you that um, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there might be this element where people go, oh, well, geez, we've all done it. Like, no, no big deal. Oh, no, big deal. Really big deal. It has the power to keep you out of the presence of God for eternity, okay? So, so let's not make small of sin. Like, it is a really big deal. It's incredibly offensive to God, and, and, and it damages your relationship with Him uh, in, in, in a really significant way. I... I know this because when I was growing up, I did go to church and, you know, I've, I've shared these stories many times, but going up, I did go to church, had a relationship with God, but, you know, I have this very unique story as a teenager. I walked away. I know that's probably never happened to anyone you know, but it did happen to me. And so I, I walked away from my relationship with God and there I was in my, you know, uh, early 20s and I had this understanding that I was very far from God. Like I knew, I knew in my heart that I was very far from God. I knew that I had no relationship with Him. And, and, and to be honest, I carried incredible guilt about that. And, and the problem was, I didn't see a way to really turn my life around. And I felt so much condemnation uh, about where I was at. And nobody would have known this from that outside um, you wouldn't have been able to tell. But on the inside, honestly, it was tearing me apart. So I did really foolish things. Like I would go out on a, you know, Thursday, Friday night. I would spend literally my last cent over the bar, right, just to forget that feeling and to just have a moment of, of peace because I, I hated I hated that condemnation. So I would just look to, to silence that at some, some way in, in my life. And that's you know how I chose it. Of course, that was a terrible idea because the next morning I'd wake up and I've, I've got a headache. I'm broke now and I still feel the same way, right? So it's a very bad idea. But I'm trying to look for a way to get rid of that. And I looked at myself in that state and I remember feeling totally unworthy of being able to come back into any kind of relationship with God. And I cannot be the only one who's thought this. I cannot be the only one that's th that, that has gone through this in life. And the reason I'm so sure about that is because Paul the Apostle wrote about this in Romans chapter 5. And he writes this one line of scripture that honestly for me was probably a transforming scripture. I do say this quite often, but I want to 
to I want to share it with you today. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. You can cheer now. You could cheer now. Let's just pretend the first one never happened. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel is that when we were in a fallen, sinful, and completely broken state, then at that point where our value had been driven down by the inclusions, our value had been driven down because we were all marked by sin, but somehow God saw enough value in us to send His Son to die on the cross to pay the penalties for our mistakes? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is the gospel. This is why we say the gospel is good news. And I, I, I want to tell you today that however you have seen yourself right now in this moment, you are loved by God. You are totally loved by God. Just sometimes I say these things and I feel like people are listening but there are a few people that are just sitting there and going, that's great for them. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are loved by God. And Matt, I see you by yourself. Is that God? You are loved by God. Yep, Sam, you're loved by God. I'm trying to look for anyone else that's by themselves. No, that's good. Johnny, loved by God. Mum, all right, forget it. Look, the point is, the point is we need to invite more people to church. I think that's where I was. Guys, this is a great series. I told you this series was going to be one of the best series to invite your you know, friend that doesn't know anything about Jesus because all I'm going to do is talk about the gospel and your identity for four straight weeks. So just think about how many people you've invited. So, so what's, what, am, what am I saying here? I'm saying that you're completely and totally loved by God and nothing changes that. If God's love depended on your ability to win Him over, in terms of you being successful in life and doing really well, honestly, you'd be in, in so much trouble. And, and so would I. If someone said to me, do you love your kids? And I said, it's a complicated question. <sighs> Only when they succeed. You know, like I was watching Judah play basketball yesterday and, um, you know, there was this guy, this guy got on a fast break. And Judah's pretty tall for his age, and he's running down behind him. And this guy goes up for a layup. It was the biggest rejection you've ever seen. It made such a noise, and the, the, everyone just cheered. It was like demonstrative. I was like, like, and everyone was like, oh, you know, right? In that moment, I loved him. <laughs> just really felt, you know why? Because he did well, right? And you, if you think this sounds crazy, believe it or not, this is actually how people think about their relationship with God. Yeah, <laughs> like, like if you've had a cracking week and you've just done so well and, 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 you know, avoided most sins, right? And you think, man, God must really love me this week. You, you've actually made a really bad mistake here. This, this thing that I'm talking about, it's so obvious and, and yet you see it trip up so many people. And, and the power of what I'm talking about is that your relationship with God doesn't even depend on you. Now, isn't that powerful? 
It is powerful once you understand it and you understand what it means for you in terms of, you know, getting before God. Because I reckon there would be plenty of people that have felt like they can't come into the presence of God because of the shame in their life from the sins that they've committed. But what if your relationship and proximity to God had absolutely nothing to do with you? And in fact, that is exactly how it works. The way that your relationship works is that it's, it's given to you by association with Jesus. Listen, you will never earn favour with God. You're never going to put Him in back pay, like where He owes you something, right? You can't earn favour with Him, but you get something that we call grace, and by grace you get favour. And isn't that an amazing thing to understand? It's an incredibly powerful truth that I feel is so important to understand because you've got to consider if God loves you when you do really well, well, what happens when you don't? What happens when you don't? If you feel like, you know, behaving and being really good gets you close to God, then obviously when you uh, make mistakes or you do bad things, right, then God wants nothing to do with you. All right, let me just explain what's happened to you. You have exchanged the new covenant that we have in Jesus for the old covenant that they had. We call that works. Because how you're actually thinking about this is that if I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I get bad, right? But the gospel is completely different to that. And and let me tell you what will start to happen to you as you go down this path. If you think like that, you will start to interpret your life through a lens of works and it will completely destroy the work of the cross. (laughs) I'll show you what I mean. Like if you think about um, the bad things that are happening in your life, is a result of God bringing disaster to you as punishment for your sin, right? You are going to mess up your relationship with God. It's not going to work for you. If you interpret, so, you know, what do we know right now? Okay, interest rates are going up. So as interest rates are going up, you're like, God, I thought that you loved me. Well, I wouldn't draw any conclusions from the fact that the interest rates are going up, you know? Or what about you go to a car park and you're looking for a car park and you say, Dear Lord, I need a car park. You know, it's getting close to Christmas time. We know what that means. Dear Lord, provide me a car park. In Jesus' name, amen. So about a minute into that, your faith is at an all-time high and you still believe it's possible. Around about the 15-minute mark, you're not sure that God loves you anymore, okay? It's like, but I thought that we had something, you know? Be, be very careful not to draw conclusions about the things that are going wrong in your life as if you think that God is punishing you. To be honest, that just doesn't make sense. If you ever think that God doesn't love you because of fill in the blank, I want you to know that is a completely unbiblical thought to have. Completely unbiblical. What do you think is really going on there? You think that God poured out His wrath on sin on the cross, but there was still just a little bit left over and He's going to take it out on you. I mean, that's the only way that that could work. It's like God is punishing you. Because if Jesus was punished for all of our sins, then what's left to punish? And the answer, of course, is... Well, nothing. So why would you ever think that God 
is doing something to get back at you. Now you're still responsible and you still sometimes have to deal with the consequences of the decisions that you make, right? Because there is a consequence attached to bad and poor decisions. God is not responsible to bless every decision that you make, right? But He is not punishing you for that sin. He's not pouring it out on you because He's already done that. God is not double dipping. That would make Him in, in so many ways, it would make Him completely unjust. And it would actually diminish the power of the cross because we'd be saying, oh, well, you know, Jesus didn't really take all the punishment for our sins because God is still pouring out punishment on me right now. And it just doesn't make sense. Listen to what the Scriptures say, Ephesians 2 verse 5. It says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together uh, with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, And raised up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All of that was done for you because of Him. And not even because of you, but because of Him. And believe it or not, but your present mistakes and bad behaviour at times is not going to undo that. He doesn't have the power to undo that. It is fixed. It is, it is a fixed thing in your life. It is a permanent thing that has happened in your life. It is, it is locked away. See, you are not just loved by God. You are also held by Him and nothing will ever change that. That's good news. Yeah. Nothing will ever change that. Yeah. So you can, your life can go like this, but His love is a constant. Yeah. It, it, it's never going to change. And like I say, His love will never change. The, the Bible does say, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Because you know, I want to say God will always love you. He loved you before you chose Him. He loves you. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that he approves of everything that you do. The Bible still does say, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What's repentance? Well, that's where we actually constantly make course corrections and constantly turn to Jesus and constantly say, I'm changing my life. Repentance isn't a one-time thing where we say, I said the, the prayer, now I'm in a relationship with God, now I can do whatever I want. No, 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 no. That's not how that works, right? The way that this works is we constantly repenting. We're constantly bringing our lives into alignment with what he says but at the end of the day if faith is present then you are held by God and he absolutely loves you I I just think it's so easy for people to mess up this really obvious truth and I reckon there are so many people that constantly feel this pressure to have to prove themselves to God so that he will accept them it's good to repent. It's good to be holy, right? But you don't have to do that. God knows who you are. I, I do internet banking like everyone. And this week, I logged on to a account. It's a community account, which I do not have to access very often, just a couple times a year. And this thing happened where I, I logged on, you know, which bank? The bad bank. I'm not going to tell you which it is. I'm not going to tell you which bank it is, right? But if you ask which bank, which bank? 
the bad bank. So, but let's, let's not, t I'm not going to reveal which <laughs> bank it was. So, so anyway, I, I log on and the account is gone. It's disappeared. So I thought, what, what is going on? So I called up the bank and I said, I had an account and now I, I don't. What, what has happened to it? And they said, well, you need to re-identify yourself to us so that we can give you access to that bank account. I said, re-identify? I said, what are you talking about? I said, did you not do your job properly the first time? Like, what do you mean re-identify it? Like, you know who I am. You've got all my details. It's my bank account, right? And this, this is the weirdest part. They said it was a security thing. Believe it or not, they said, oh, this is to do with anti-terrorism. Okay, anti-terrorism. Maybe I was red flagged. I don't know. <laughs> but they says anti-terrorism thing. We have to do this, right? You have to re-identify yourself. I said, you could have told me. They said, we send emails. We sent a couple of emails to your, not to my email address, to my inbox in that account that I never check. Right? You know what I mean? And they said, when you didn't reply, we removed the account. I said, well, who's got control of the account now? And they said, oh, the guy before you. I said, so you're worried about security and you just gave it to that other guy who hasn't been identified in like five or six. What is wrong with you people, right? So now they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want access, you've got to call up, you've got to go down, you're going to have to make an appointment. I said, can we do it over the phone? No, 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 no. You've got to go into the branch. You've got to show them and prove who you are before we give you access. I am so glad that God isn't like the bank. He doesn't, he doesn't make you constantly prove who you are. Do you know why you don't have to prove who you are? Because He knows who you are. And He calls you by your name and He calls you loved. He calls you chosen. He calls you His. He's not like that. You don't have to prove your identity to Him over and over. God will not unchoose you when you've made mistakes and put you in a position where you have to prove yourself to Him again. To be, to be honest, He already knew who you were when He chose you before you even chose Him. And the reason why we don't have to prove who we are and be really good to attract the favour of God is because of something that we call imputed righteousness. And it's something that happens when we give our lives to Jesus and when He died on the cross, remember, He's the one that lived the perfect life and was totally holy in a way that we could never do. And when He died on the cross, He took all of our sin, but that's only half the deal. He also gave us all of His righteousness. So what does that mean? Well, it means if you're a child of God, you wear the righteousness of Christ. And that means that even when you mess up bad and God looks down on you, He doesn't see all of that stuff that you did because that's already paid for. When He looks down at you, He sees the perfection of His Son. So that, that, that perfect in righteousness thing that you could not do, He did it for you. And He gave it to you as a gift. And that's why we call it grace. It's good news. That means that no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, 
we can actually come into the presence of God and pray to Him. And we don't have to shrink back because we are wearing the righteousness of Christ. So maybe you've been out of relationship with God for a really long time. I'm saying right now, all you need to do is make a decision to step in because He's there. He's already there. He's already waiting. What I'm saying to you this morning is that nothing will separate you from His love. Nothing. I mean, the Bible literally says it just so we can't even mess this up. I'll read it to you. Romans 8.35, it says, Who? Not what, but who? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? And then the answer comes in verse 38 to 39. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation. If you are part of creation, this includes you. Amen? Well, that's good to hold on to because wait for the next verse. Not even you will be able to separate or you won't be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's how powerful Jesus's sacrifice on the cross was. It positions you by grace to receive something that He was always and ready and willing and desiring and wanting to give you. And nothing's going to change that. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Nothing, 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 nothing. And this morning, I just want you to know that God has, has never stopped loving you, ever. And He will never unchoose you. He'll never unchoose you. He won't unadopt you. My kids are pretty good but I swear to you they're not perfect you know that right and when they mess up I, I gotta tell you I, I don't know if I've ever said I don't think so these aren't my kids <laughs> maybe once at the shops these aren't my kids <laughs> you know I don't know where you got that from your mum so it's, it's not me <laughs> you get that from me I've never said that. You know why? They're my kids, right? There's, we, we're connected. We, we share so much. We're, we're, they, they are my blood relatives. You know, I, I can't at any stage un, unadopt them. They, they are mine. And I just love that we are we actually held together in a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus. It's, it's His, it's that blood relationship through Jesus, His shared blood on the cross for our sins that puts us in relationship with God. And since that's a fixed point in history, nothing will ever change that. It is what it is. So when I say to you, who are you? I hope that one of the thoughts that you have is not what you do, but it's I'm a child of God because that should be something that you think about. It's probably the, the best thought that you can have is that one I just shared with you. Who, I, who am I? I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I am loved. I'm chosen by Him. And you know what? Even if you love God or have love for Him, just remember one thing. You only love Him because He first loved you. And if you have any desire for Him, it's actually a response to Him because He's the one that chose you first. He's the one that loved you first. And I just, as I, this is, this is it. 
If you take anything away from this message, it has to be this, that no matter what happens in life, you are loved and held by God and nothing will ever change that. How secure is that? How secure is that? How, how, how good is that? Don't, don't put your identity in, in, in all the other stuff that you could have. Put, if you're gonna put your identity, all that other stuff leads you to be insecure. You wanna be secure? I'm a child of God. I know who I am. I'm loved by Him. I'm chosen by Him. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.